Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here with you once again for our time in the Word of God. Uh, it is such a privilege, and it is always, it, this is something that always brings me to an attitude of expectation as to how the Lord will be ministering to my heart and to your heart through the power of His everlasting Word. Today, marks the end of our message series on the life of Abraham. Next Sunday, our brother Paul Johnson will begin our new character study, our new message series on the life of Joseph, and that promises to be an excellent uh, series of messages. But for today, for the conclusion of our series on the life of Abraham, we will be focusing on the 24th chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 24, and as you may know, that chapter has, this chapter has 67 verses, so I would encourage you to read all those verses at home, but for now, as we begin, we will read only the first 14 verses, we will read Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 through 14, and so if you are able, let us stand together for the reading of God's word in Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 through 14, where the Bible tells us, Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh, and I'll make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Then Abraham said to him, Be, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this my oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master and set out with a variety of good things of his masters in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Naor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Let us all read these final verses together. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, Please let down your jar so that I may drink. And who answers, Drink, 
and I will water your camels also, may she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Let us all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your everlasting word, and it is, Father, with that confidence in our hearts that we know that your word will minister to us, changing us according to the transformative power of your eternal scriptures. We pray, Father, that your name will be glorified and that according to your will and for the glory of your name, that indeed, Lord, that we would assimilate the spiritual messages from this chapter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Based on this 24th chapter in Genesis, our message title for today is Godly Plans, Godly Results. Do you know what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9? In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. God works in the hearts of those who trust in him to fulfill his sovereign purposes. It is he who brings godly desires within us so that he will accomplish his plans. As the Geneva Study Bible says, God gives success to all things done for his glory and according to his word. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. In Genesis 24, as we go through these verses, we will see a clear and vivid demonstration of this verse. Beginning on how God blessed Abraham's plan. And what was his plan? As we saw and as we read, Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, Please place your hand under my thigh and I'll make you swear by the Lord that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. But you go to my country and to my relatives to take a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham's plan was to find a woman who would be godly, a God-fearing woman for his son Isaac to marry. At this point, Abraham is about 140 years old. And as we read, the Lord had blessed him in every possible way according to his promises through the Abrahamic covenant as we have studied. However, Abraham still had one concern in his heart. He was concerned for the spiritual health of his son Isaac. And why was that? Isaac was the son of the promise. Abraham wanted his son Isaac to remain faithful to God and so perpetuate the blessings that the Lord our God had promised him. He wanted Isaac to remain faithful. But at this point, Isaac is 40 years old and he's still single. So Abraham wants to make sure that he marries a godly woman, someone who would not influence him 
through pagan gods and therefore make him unfaithful to the Lord. It is clear the plan of Abraham, what he intended for his son according to the promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And God honored that plan. In fact, centuries later, God gave a commandment to Moses and to the people of Israel exactly based on this principle. In Exodus chapter 34, the Lord says to Israel and Moses, Watch yourself that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going. And you might take some of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters might play the harlot with their gods, and cause your sons also to play the harlot with their gods. God prohibited Israel from marrying women from other religions, from other nations. So that the Jewish men would not be influenced by unbelievers and abandon the Lord. This very same principle, this very same commandment, it is something that God gives even to us as Christians in the church age today. We read in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? If you are a single Christian man, if you are a single Christian woman and you are pursuing a marital relationship, pay attention to what the Bible tells us in the commandment of the Lord for your life. You must not pursue a relationship with an unbeliever. And this was Abraham's plan for his son. In view of the mighty Abrahamic covenant that God had promised him, that not only Abraham would be blessed, but also his descendants, beginning with Isaac, the son of the promise, he wanted to make sure that he would be involved with someone who was God-fearing. And that plan was blessed by God. As we read in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, to the mind of Abraham came that plan, but the Lord was certainly directing all his steps according to his sovereign purposes. Abraham was planning a godly future for his son. There isn't a greater legacy that a father can leave his children than to guide them in the ways of God. I know that there is nothing that my wife and I would want more than to see all of our children walking with the Lord. Some fathers continue to pray for the salvation of their children into adulthood. But others actually experience the joy of seeing their children grow up to become adults devoted to God. Oh, and what a blessing that is. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. This was the plan of Abraham. And he asked his servant to seek a godly wife for his son. The Bible tells us, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. And Abraham was so certain that the Lord would bless his plan according to his will and for the glory of his name, that Abraham even said to his servant, the angel of God will be with you. The angel of God will guide your steps so that you will find the right woman for my son. 
He says in verse 7, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son from there. It is interesting to note that you may read the entire 67 verses in chapter 24 of Genesis, and you are not going to see the appearance of any angel. But it is impossible to deny the hand of the Lord controlling and orchestrating and directing all the events. It is like when you read the book of Esther, the only book in the Bible where you are not going to find the name of God. But it is impossible to deny that God was orchestrating all the things as we read in the book of Esther. So it is even in our own lives. We do not see the angels of God around us. But only heaven knows how many times God has kept us from evil and kept us in protection. He has given us deliverance from things that we were not even expecting that perhaps only when we get to heaven we will be able to realize the deliverance that the Lord has given us. He was certain that the hand of God would be in all of this. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37 verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. The steps of those who trust in the Lord and have surrendered their lives to the Lord our God. He was certain of the blessing of God in all that was happening in his charge to that servant. And so... This must be our prayer as well. That may we never interfere with the will of God in our lives. May the Lord always give us the wisdom to pray and to say to him as the Lord Jesus did, not my will, but your will be done. As the Lord Jesus taught us in the disciples' prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, let the will of God be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Let the will of the Lord be performed in our lives. That must be our prayer constantly for the will of God to be fulfilled, his sovereign purposes to be fulfilled in our lives. And so it was that Abraham, he charged his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. Now, who was the servant? Who was he? You probably remember him from when we studied Genesis chapter 15 and the Abrahamic covenant. When Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Abraham at this point is about 75 years old. And the Lord said that he would still have a child. Even though he was childless and he was already old, his wife was 65 years old at this point. But God said that he would have a son. But in his mind, Abraham said, perhaps the son of the promise will be my own servant. One who is already in my house. Perhaps will be Eliezer. You see, before Isaac was born... Eliezer was on, in the line to receive all of Abraham's possessions. Abraham and Sarah didn't have any heirs. They didn't have any children of their own. 
And so as Abraham's chief of staff, so to speak, Eliezer would inherit all of Abraham's possessions and fortune. The Bible tells us that Abraham was greatly in, the, in his fortune. He was very rich. And Eliezer was slated to receive everything once Abraham would die. But now everything changes. In one moment, a 100-year-old man with a 9-year-old woman, believe it or not, they have a new baby. And Eliezer, who was going to receive all that fortune, now he is going to receive nothing. Eliezer could be resentful toward Abraham. He could be resentful toward the little baby. Resentful toward Isaac. He could be resentful toward life for giving him such a bad break. But he remained faithful. And when Abraham turned to him to say, you must go to my old country and find a wife for my son Isaac, the one who took your place. Eliezer is now 85 years old. And he agrees to take a trip of 450 miles to go to Abraham's old country. This 85-year-old man would engage in a trip that would take him weeks, if not months, to complete. And yet he did not deny it. He did not buckle. He did not, became, he, he did not become resentful. But he remained faithful to Abraham and he remained faithful to God. Despite his apparent huge loss of possessions and fortune, he remained faithful. You see, the faithful servant of God is never in it for the money. He remained faithful before the Lord. And I ask you, how does that happen? How is it that Eliezer, despite his apparent loss, he remained faithful in this? Because God blessed Abraham's plan by working in the heart of Eliezer. God blessed Abraham's plan, but he also worked in the heart of Eliezer. When our plans, remember Proverbs 16, 9, when the plans of our mind are in accordance with the will of God and for the glory of his name, the Lord will direct our steps and he will be the one opening doors to give us blessings, to give us success, because it is all for his glory. And in this process, God was blessing the plan in Abraham's heart according to his will. And he was opening the doors. And despite the fact that Eliezer could have been resentful, he still remained faithful because the Lord stirred those desires in his heart. That faithfulness and Eliezer remained faithful. Not only God blessed Abraham's plan by working in the heart of Eliezer, Eliezer himself had a plan of his own. And God blessed Eliezer's plan. God worked in his heart for him to remain faithful. And now Eliezer has a plan. And what is his plan? Well, Eliezer, he thought, taking ten camels with him and bringing many goods on those camels to Mesopotamia, to the land of Abraham, in those times, as you know, there were prearranged marriages. And so it was necessary for the parents of the groom to give a dowry to the parents of the bride. 
And Eliezer brought all these goods from Abraham to bring to the family of the woman who will become Isaac's bride. He has 10 camels with him with all those goods and his plan is this as he prayed to the Lord. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may drink. And who answers, drink, and I will water your camels also. May she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. Now do you understand what is his plan? What was the prayer that he was making before the Lord? Eliezer was asking God that when he would arrive in the city, that he would bring all those ten camels, those ten thirsty camels to the well. And that at that moment, the chosen woman of God for Isaac would come right at that point. And that not only she would agree to give him water, but that voluntarily she would also agree to give water for all his ten camels. Now I ask you, how does that happen? The hand of the Lord was in all of this. The superintendence of God, working all things according to his sovereign purposes. We must understand that when Eliezer asked the woman to give him a drink, she was under no obligation to give water to a stranger, much less to give water for all his ten camels. Considering that one camel drinks 30 gallons of water in one sitting, pulling water from the well voluntarily for ten camels, it would take an inordinate amount of time and work. And yet that was Eliezer's plan. And the Lord blessed it. Because while Eliezer was still praying, even before he finished his prayer, the Bible says, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your jar. Now when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have all finished drinking. I ask you, how does that happen? The hand of the Lord must be in it. Fulfilling his plan. Accomplishing all his sovereign purposes. On her own. She decided to pull water from the well for all those camels. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. We like to remember verse 15 that says he hears us in whatever we ask. But we must not forget verse 14 that says, if we ask according to his will. God was blessing Abraham's plan and he was working in Eliezer's heart despite his losses. God was blessing Eliezer's plan despite the fact that he was asking something that 
In the eyes of us human, it would be impossible for someone to volunteer to pull water for 10 camels, and that is exactly what happened. How does that happen? God blessed Eliezer's plan by working in the heart of Rebekah. Now, do you see a pattern here? God was blessing Abraham's plan, and he was opening the doors, and he was working in Eliezer's heart. God was blessing Eliezer's plan, and he was opening the doors by working in Rebekah's heart. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? This is a profound verse with profound theological implications that at times cause much debate. But we cannot deny what it says. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? The Lord was at work according to his sovereignty. He was the one who worked in the heart of Rebekah for the fulfillment of his plans. Now please understand, this is not fatalism. Fatalism says that everything happens by chance. It's all fate. Whatever it will be, it will be. There is no God, there is no supernatural force, nonsense. We believe that God is sovereign with control over all things. And as Job says in Job 42 verse 2, nothing can frustrate the plans of God. His sovereign purposes will always be fulfilled. God is in control. He is sovereign over my life. He is sovereign over your life. All of us who believe in the Lord our God and have surrendered our souls, have surrendered our hearts to Him, we can always count that our lives are in His hands. The Lord was at work through the sovereignty of our God. Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a Christian man from New York who was attempting to catch this flight. Flight 191 from Chicago to Los Angeles on Memorial Day, 1979. That's an actual photo of that plane on that day, May 25th, 1979. And from New York, he was catching a connecting flight. But to his distress, his connecting flight from New York to O'Hare Airport in Chicago was delayed. And that Christian man, he missed this flight. On that very same day, this man, Pastor Edward Elliott, he was scheduled to catch the same flight, 191, from Chicago to Los Angeles. And he was also catching a connecting flight, but he was in Pennsylvania. And believe it or not, his connecting flight from Pennsylvania to Chicago was also delayed. However, he made it at the very last second. He made it to the airport. Witnesses said that they saw Pastor Ed dashing through the airport, running to get to his terminal, and he was one of the last passengers to enter that plane. Exactly 31 seconds after takeoff, that plane lost one of its engines. And that plane 
began to nosedive. The left engine under the left wing fell. And the plane began to plunge to the earth. And in just a few moments, that plane crashed. All 271 passengers and crew members of Flight 191 were killed, including Pastor Ed. To this date, over 40 years later, the crash of Flight 191 remains the deadliest passenger airline accident on U.S. soil. Was the sovereignty of God only with their brother in New York who missed this flight? But not with Pastor Ed when he made it? One of Pastor Ed's friends said it best. At the airport, Pastor Ed didn't know that he was not running to catch a plane, but he was running to his appointed time in heaven. We may not always understand the ways of God, but we can always rest on the fact that God is in control. Our Father knows best. The Bible tells us through the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9. Thus says the Lord, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. We can always count on the Lord's sovereignty, and he always does everything according to his will. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? We believe in the sovereignty of God, that he has control over all things, and only he can comprehend how that works with the human will. Rebecca voluntarily, she chose to give water to all those camels. But we know the Lord, had worked within her heart. It was answer to prayer. Everything happens according to the sovereign will of our God. And Eliezer was so taken back by such an immediate answer from God. The Lord had even responded an answer to his prayer even before he had finished it. The Bible says, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels in gold. As soon as Eliezer saw the immediate answer that the Lord had given him, he had no doubt. There was no place for doubt. Only God could be working that way. And immediately he gave the jewelry to Rebekah. He gave her two gold bracelets for her wrists and he gave her a gold ring. Now notice that the gold ring was not for the finger. In those times, they, those were nose rings to be worn in the left nostril. A nose ring was the usual gift from a wealthy man to a woman in contemplation of marriage. You can read that in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. When God is marrying Israel and he says that he's placing a nose ring in Jerusalem. 
That was the custom of those times, 4,000 years ago. And he just gave the jewelry to her because he was in shock how the Lord had answered his prayer, how the Lord was blessing everything. But he gave her that without talking to her about it, much less talking to her family about it. For all she knew, she had an 85-year-old man proposing marriage to her. Everything was going so well. You see, but it is in those times when everything is going so well that the Lord may allow for trials to come into your life to test your faith. It could be that this is your circumstance as we speak. Everything was happening so well. Everything was going so well. And all of a sudden, you are hit with a trial of a lifetime, and you simply don't know why. You don't understand why you are in the middle of this storm. But remember, brother, remember, sister, the Lord is sovereign. And even in those times when we cannot understand why the Lord is permitting these things to happen to our lives, remember this, your life is in the hand of the Lord. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and His ways are higher than your ways. Just surrender your life to God. Just surrender your ways to him. And the Lord will bless you in the middle of this storm. And so it was with Eliezer. A trial was coming. He had just given the jewelry to Rebekah even without talking to her and explaining what was happening. And the Bible says, Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban or Laban. And when he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, he went to the man and he said, come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? Oh, sure. Laban saw the bling and he became incredibly motivated. Come in. I have already prepared the house. He didn't know the man. But he was motivated by what he saw. You see, this Laban is the same Laban who deceived Jacob, Rebekah's son. Years later in Genesis chapter 29. And he invited Eliezer to come in. And Eliezer wanted to do so to give his testimony. God had just miraculously and blessedly approached him in his, in his plan. And given him the fulfillment of what he had prayed. And he went into the house and he gave the testimony of how miraculously the Lord had brought him to Rebekah. And there could be no argument, there could be no contest contestation that what the Lord was doing was indeed from his hands. What Eliezer had experienced was from the hand of God. And so he was, that after he entered into the house and he gave all his testimony, the Bible says, then Laban and Bethuel, who were, Bethuel was Rebekah's father. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, the matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. Remember they said, take her and go. After they heard the testimony of what the Lord had done, they said the matter comes from the Lord. We cannot possibly speak either good or bad. This is from God. Just take Rebekah. It is impossible for us to deny this. And let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. And Eliezer in that moment... The Bible says, Abraham's servant, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. It was the moment of blessing. 
It was the moment of confirmation. After he explained himself to Rebecca and to the family, after everything that he had done, to him was the confirmation of what the Lord was doing. And he bowed himself to the ground in front of them and glorified God. But a trial was coming. The Bible tells us, the servant brought out, Eliezer brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. But he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. Remember, he had 10 camels with him, loaded with goods. So he brought much more than just the two golden bracelets and the nose ring. He gave many articles to Rebekah, but the Bible says he had Plenty of stuff to give to Laban and to the mother. And when they saw the extra gifts, all of a sudden they have a change of heart. And the trial has come. The Bible tells us, Then Eliezer and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. And when they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the girl stay with us a few days, say 10, and afterwards then she may go. Now they had already agreed as we saw it. They had said, take her and go. But they saw the extra stuff, you see. And now they were using Rebecca as a bargaining chip. They wanted more. Most commentators say that what they were intending was for Eliezer to say, okay, I'll try to come up with something else. I'll try to give you more so that she can come with me. But God had been with Eliezer up to that point, and he would not fail him. God is not a God of confusion. If you are going through a trial right now, remember that the Lord who are with you in the good moments, he is the Lord who even more right now, he is with you in these moments of trial. The Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never forsake you. And Eliezer could have been confused as to after experiencing that miraculous sign from God, that immediate response of prayer and how their family already had agreed, take her and go. Now, all of a sudden, things seem to be falling apart. How can it be? But the Lord would not disappoint. The Lord would continue to bless the plan according to his sovereign purposes. And for that reason, God would frustrate Laban's plan. The Bible tells us, Eliezer said to them, Do not delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, well, we will call the girl and we will consult her wishes. These are the same folks who had said, take her and go. And all of a sudden something changed. Something nefarious was at work here. We will call the girl and we will consult her wishes. The plan was hanging in the balance. What would Rebecca choose? What would Rebecca say? The Bible tells us, Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? If you were Eliezer, what would you be thinking? How would you be feeling in your heart? God had already confirmed in such marvelous way that Rebecca was the one could it be that somehow she would say, you know, I've changed my mind. 
I don't know Isaac. I don't know that man. I don't know who he is. I'd rather stay with my family. Why would I take a 450-mile trip to a place that I don't know? I'm going to stay here. If my parents are not giving me marriage, but if they are asking for my opinion, uh, perhaps I should stay put. Perhaps I should stay here. But at that moment, I truly believe that the Lord that had blessed Abraham's plan and that the Lord that had blessed Eliezer's plan, that had worked in the heart of Rebekah, was the one working it all according to his sovereignty and for the glory of his name. And he was also frustrating Laban's plan. At that moment of truth, what did Rebekah say? The Bible tells us, and she said, I will go. I will go. Again, Rebecca chose voluntarily to say yes and to go and become engaged and married to a man she did not know. But the Lord was at work here. The hand of the Lord was orchestrating all of this and frustrating the events that would come counter to what the Lord had already planned to do. And the Bible tells us that God frustrated Laban's plan, we can say for sure, by continuing to work in the heart of Rebekah. There is nothing impossible to God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, that God works in the hearts of men, that God can work within the heart of a person, and he can turn it in whatever way he wishes it to go. Perhaps you, just like Abraham, perhaps you are praying for your son or for your daughter or for your wife or for your, for your husband, for your family, for your co-workers. Remember, there is nothing possible to God. And in the same way that God was working within the hearts of them so that his plan would be fulfilled, continue to pray faithfully, trusting that the Lord is the one who can change the heart of anyone in a moment according to the operation of his Holy Spirit. God frustrated Laban's plan by continuing to work in the heart of Rebekah. And you know what she did? The Bible tells us, Thus they sent away their sister Rebekah and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his man. Then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Rebekah had a plan of her own. She decided to go with no plan to return. She took her nurse with her and she took all her maids with her. This gives us the proof that she was planning to move and to remain there and to marry this man that she didn't know at that point. And we can say for sure that God blessed Rebecca's plan. In the same way that the Lord blessed Abraham's plan and worked in the heart of Eliezer, in the same way that God blessed Eliezer's plan and worked in the heart of Rebekah, would the Lord now bless Rebekah's plan and work in the heart of Isaac when he would see her? The Bible tells us, Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. And Rebekah said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And Eliezer said, He is my master. 
Then she took her veil and covered herself. She took her veil and covered herself. Rebecca veiled herself because in those times, 4,000 years ago of prearranged marriages, the bride would not uncover her face in front of the groom until after the marriage was consummated. These days we may have a similar ceremony that presumably is based on that history, but the bride may come down the aisle and then afterwards the bride will lift the veil and the minister will say, you may kiss the bride. But in those times, the groom had no idea as to the facial features of the bride that his parents and her parents had arranged for him. In fact, if you read Genesis chapter 29, verse 21 through 25, that chapter where Laban deceived Jacob, the Bible tells us that Jacob, he thought that he was marrying Rachel. And in the next morning, when he was able to unveil his bride, he saw, oops, this is not Rachel. This is Leah, her older sister. That was the custom of those times. And so Rebecca had a plan and God was blessing it and she was all in. She covered herself. She didn't change her mind. It was too late. She covered herself and she said, who is this? Oh, this is, this is he. This is Isaac. This is the moment. Would the Lord continue to bless the plan and continue to work in the heart of Isaac? The Bible tells us, the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Even after the veil was lifted, he loved her. I ask you, how does that happen? God blessed Rebecca's plan by working in the heart of Isaac. You may have many a people in your family for whom you are praying. And you can always trust that as the Lord blessed Abraham, that as the Lord blessed Eliezer, that as the Lord blessed Rebekah, the Lord hears your prayers as well. There is nothing impossible to God. And in the end, would we have the confirmation that the Lord would also bless Isaac in this, that it is undeniable the hand of the Lord working in all these events? Would the Lord also bless Isaac? The Bible tells us in Genesis 25, and it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed Isaac. Isn't the Lord good? We serve a mighty God. We serve a wonderful God. There is nothing possible to him. And even when our human eyes cannot see the hands of the Lord operating in our midst and in our lives, let us never doubt, because the Lord is faithful. The Lord is sovereign. We may not always understand his ways in our lives, but remember, the Lord is in control. He is the one who is operating all things for the glory of his name, for the fulfillment of his sovereign purposes in our lives. Let us pray.
Dear God, we thank you. We are so thankful for your grace, for your direction, for your word to our lives that gives us the guarantee, that gives us those blessed promises, Lord, that our lives are in your hands and that our steps are established by you. Oh, Lord, may we never forget the promises of your word. As your word tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, that we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart and, do, and we should never lean on our own understanding, but we should acknowledge the Lord in every single day. And we know, Lord, that you direct our paths. As you work so blessedly in the life of Abraham, in the life of Eliezer, in the life of Rebecca, and in the life of Isaac, Father, even more now, as we are part of the bride of Christ, we know that you are working within our hearts as well. And I pray, O oh Lord, if there is anyone here who do not know you, who does not have the certainty of salvation, the assurance of salvation in you, may this be the opportunity that they would have to be convicted of their sins and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. May your blessings be with us now as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Well, what a great message tonight, today. And you know, the central verse in the Bible is this, Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, there may be some people here who do not know the Lord, that's possible. And you look at this world you see, it's kind of gone into chaos. And you say, how can God be in this and everything? But a lot of things has been done by the will of man. But God will get the final say. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's my question to you. And this is either anyone here or who's listening to this message. Who would you want to put confidence in? Man or God? Would you trust your temporary welfare and your eternal destiny and put that in the hands of man when you see this world going downhill? Or would you trust God? You know, people try to prove their love for one another by things that they do for them. And when you stop and think about this, the Lord Jesus Christ, God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son on a cross to pay for the sins of all those who put their trust in him. And so my question is this. Will you, the one who laid down